Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture show broadcasting from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney, and we're back kicking off 2019 in style as we continue to talk about Batman specifically because, like so many things in my life, I'm obsessed with, so, and especially Batman in various forms of media. And we have talked about Batman comics uh, before, but I want to talk about this very specific run of Batman comics called The Batman Adventures, inspired by the legend. Legendary Batman the Animated Series, where it would be taking the same kind of art style and just telling stories in the vein of how the animated was. And so I want to talk about at least the first two issues of it, but I can't do it alone. I have a very special guest with me, somebody who I've been wanting to podcast with for a while now, and who is a big contributor to Holy Badcast, as well as his podcast, The Nightlight, Mr. Brendan Lowe. Welcome to the show, Brendan. Hey Tim, thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. It's been a long time coming for us to actually sit down and record because we joked about like we have to record about something and we've agreed, yes. Yeah, it's been ages. Good at least a good few months anyway. Yeah, it was just like trying to figure out what we we're gonna talk about. That was like I think the key thing about it. And then getting our I would say schedules worked out because of uh, the time zone difference between the two of us. Yeah, and also it was um, when we were talking about it, it was sort of coming into your Thanksgiving and like just the general festive season. So, um, you know, time was was very precious for those couple of months, for, I think, for everyone. So, yeah, things have settled down now and you picked the topic and I was keen. So here we are. Yeah, I, I mean, it was kind of like, like, oh, it's the holiday season. I don't have already other four shows and a bunch of other stuff I need to get done before uh, Christmas or anything. Like, I think I, I think it'd be smart if we push this off, and and that was a smart decision. And yes, yeah, so like I mentioned before, when we talked about the Batman Avengers comic book issues one and two. So let's jump into our review of it right now. <laughs> Okay, now I know you've spoken about this series before, but just in case some people have not heard your stories with this, and and I remember you speaking about it briefly, but I don't think I know the full story. What was your experience with this Batman Adventures comic book line in the first place? Um, it's going to be different to I think pretty much every listener that you have because, um obviously being in Australia and it was the early nineties. Um, I mean, we, we're still fairly backward with a lot of things here in terms of getting content. Um, if you've listened to Holly Backcast over the last couple of months since the DC universe has hit, you'll understand my struggle with that. <laughs> um, but I was actually introduced to the Batman adventures comics before I even knew there was an animated series. Um, so it would have been, it was. I remember it was early 1993, um, and I was at. I guess what we call we call them news agencies here. I'm not sure what what you call them over there, but you know, it's sort of like a store that sells you know magazines, newspapers, um, 
you know, lottery tickets, scratch it tickets, that sort of stuff. Um, and they usually have um, a little comic section, but they're not up to date. It's just that you could have anything there. Like it's usually old Phantom comics and maybe a couple of issues from a few months previous, whatever. And um, I was at my local news agency with my mum and I was just looking at that section and I saw issue one of the Batman Adventures. And what struck me about it was because I was only nine at the time. Um, any Batman comic I'd read prior to that, it was it was sort of above me um, in terms of story and content and stuff. Or, you know, you just pick up a random issue and you wouldn't know what had happened previously. And I was always a little bit lost. Um, but what struck me with this one was the cover art, the Penguin looked like the Batman Returns Penguin. Um, and I instantly, in my mind, was like, oh, this is a kid's comic based around the Batman movies. I, straight away, I could tell it was a comic for younger readers. So I was I was really interested. Um, I showed my mom. She got it for me. And uh, I took it home and read it over and over and over and over. Uh, it was at least, I think, two or three months <laughs> later until I um, the second issue we saw at the news agency again. Um, and it wasn't long after that. There was one comic shop in the, the town I grew up in and I know mum went and saw them and from there on every month, like I, mum sort of set up a little pull list for me. So anything that was Batman adventures related, um, I'd get, and I'd get them sort of on time. Um, and then, so that was early 93 and then it wasn't until mid 93, the animated series started on television over here. And so for me, I was like, oh, this is a cartoon based on the comics I've been reading, <laughs> not not the other way around, because that's how my nine-year-old brain worked. Um, yeah, and then obviously the toys hit and, and everything just, it, it all hit as it would have done probably six to nine months earlier in the States. It, it hit over here and, and became a, a huge deal um, and has remained so with, with fans in particular. So, um, yeah, I, I was a little bit backward with my introduction to the whole Batman animated series universe, and it was through these comics that um, that you know I discovered that whole whole world. Now, after seeing the series, um, did that re- <clears throat> recontextualize how these comics were experienced? You, like after watching the series, did you go back to these comics and then did you hear these particular characters' voices differently because you've heard? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like I'd I'd been reading, I'd read several issues of the comic before I even knew there was a cartoon, so I didn't know what these characters sounded like. You know, I didn't have those voices in my head when I was reading them. Um, and then when the when the cartoon did hit over here, I continued getting the comics. That was '93. I got them up until I think it was it was it was '96. I'm pretty sure. Um, it was well into the when it became the Batman and Robin adventures. Anyway, um, yeah, I I then started hearing the voices and. And, you know, it, it took on a whole new world for me. And then I realized it was the other way around. You know, the comics were actually based on the cartoon and, and things like that. But, you know, I had I had so many of the toys and all that sort of stuff. And it really was, and I have mentioned this on Holy Batcast before, um, I didn't get to see Batman Returns in the theaters. Batman Forever was my first Batman cinematic experience on the big screen. Um for, for whatever reason, mum had heard from friends that it, you know, it wasn't really child-friendly and, and I wasn't allowed to go and see it on the big screen. So the Batman Adventures comics and the animated series tided me over for quite a while because it was, 
I think it was the summer holiday. So around this time, um, end of 93 going into 94 is when I first saw Batman return. So, um, yeah, the, the whole comics and, and cartoons for, of the animated series were my Batman for a, a really long time. I mean, I'd seen the first, um, Michael Keaton movie. I, I had it on taped off TV and I used to watch it all the time. And, and, and the sixties movie, they were on heavy rotation. Um, and they were pretty much the only Batman things I could watch. Um, I, I'd be able to rent videos of the, um, the filmation, um, Batman and Robin series. Um, and I used to rent those from the video store quite a lot, but there wasn't a hell of a lot of Batman content to consume. I don't know if sort of younger listeners understand what it was like back then. Um, so, you know, unless, unless the sixties show was, um, in, on syndication somewhere, you know, you had what two, two, maybe three movies and, and old, I like them, but you know, tacky cartoons, very campy cartoons to watch. And it wasn't until this animated series and these comics hit that it, it expanded that. And you, you started getting weekly content again. Like it used to air over here on a Saturday morning, um, every week and, and mum would record them for me. And, you know, I then started having VHSs pile up of, um, of Batman, the animated series. And I used to just watch them all the time because it was something new and something exciting to watch. And yeah, it was great. Awesome. Uh, my experience is not too different from yours because I was, <clears throat> I guess the benefit of living in the United States that I had access to, a lot of the Batman content, right, right, like pretty much from birth. I mean, I'd been exposed to <clears throat> both the Burton and Schumacher movies, the animated series, as well as seeing reruns of the Batman 66 uh, TV show on like stuff like Nick and Knight and everything, as well as I had a VHS tape of. I think it was late '60s animation. It might I might be filmation. It's like Batman Adventures, Batman with Robin the Boy Wonder. Yep, yep. they're the ones. Yep. Which um, my one of my frequent co-hosts, Mike, and I we reference constantly, uh, specifically how the Riddler speaks and laughs in that version of it. Yep. Because he's drawn to talk out of the side of his mouth. And it's like he's had a stroke. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's what it is. And I feel kind of bad of Batman beating him up in this. It's like you're just hitting a stroke victim, sir. I mean, listen to his laugh. I mean, like he does sound like he's having oh, he's a little. He's not right. There's something <laughs> wrong there. I mean, his laugh is like, <laughs> but like he's having a a seizure, and you're just you're just punching him in the face, Batman. That is not cool. And he uh, like he has to stop and take a breath every two or three words too. So there's something wrong with his lungs. <laughs> And take him upstairs, tie him up tight. Like it, there's such very <laughs> deliberate pauses to how he he would speak and everything. So if he was trying to do a Frank Gorshin, it was a really bad one. I, I was I would assume so because Frank Gorshin left such an impression on the Riddler character, so much so that Jim Carrey's doing like his iteration of that in Batman Forever. Yeah. I mean, much as chagrin of others, but like you, I really dig Batman Forever, um, and I know it's, it's something I get a lot of grief for. I mean, I, 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 depression of the choir there. I mean, I even bought a Batman Forever T-shirt where it was just the um, his, the logo with the uh, the green question mark, the question mark, yeah, and. But I grew out of it. Um, but like, I I would go into I went to work one day, like, and one of my supervisors asked me, saying, 
is that the Batman Forever shirt? And I'm like, yes. Like, clenching myself, like, getting ready for, like, a verbal debate, but even before I clocked in. And he was like, all right, I respect that. It's not my favorite, but you know what? I, I, that's a cool design. I'm like, it is a cool design. <laughs> I mean, like, a uh, friend of ours, uh, Andy DiGenova, he is not a fan of that movie in the least. Uh, I did, no. And I, if he listens to this, he'll probably lampoon me for me being on a podcast and talking about Batman Forever already. But anyway. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it was inevitable at this point that that was going to come up in conversation. But I did. <laughs> I did. Uh, I had a plan at one point to buy that shirt again. And whenever I meet him to wear that and make sure to get a photo with him, with me wearing that. And I, 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 I imagine I would have like the giant grin on my face and he would just be scowling the entire time. <laughs> Um, but I'm like, no, Please no, make that happen. No, because I don't want to get punched in the face by him, like in my first meeting of with him. So I don't. He th- won't punch you in the face. I don't know. I he mean, might, he might kick you in the nuts, but he won't punch you in the face. <laughs> oh man, and and I've been I've been kicked in there too many times in, in my life. You're know, like I I, I may, like <laughs> I may be sterile. Like one more kick may do it and everything. But then again, some people say, <laughs> oh, you gingers, you shouldn't be breeding anyway. But that's beside the point. Um. But Bat- yeah, I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> but back to the Batman Adventures, my first introduction to comic books was actually, I had spoken about this when I was a guest on Holy Batcast, that um, Batman Mask of the Phantasm had a tie-in comic book. And it was like... A, yes, I had that too. It was like a miniature version of it. It was like half the size of a regular comic in, in terms of height and everything. But it was pretty much just a abridged version of the movie. And so my introduction to comic books were this series just told in a different uh, uh, medium. And so I was like, okay, this is what kind of how comic books are and everything. But it wasn't until years later when I was actually almost near the end of high school when I actually got into comic books. The first one I would get was Dark Knight Returns. But when I fell back in love with the Batman the Animated Series, because it had been years since I watched it, because after Batman and Robin and going through middle school and high school, and people were saying, that's a terrible thing, and Batman sucks. Mm. This is before Batman Begins. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Batman's not that cool, I guess. And this is when the first wave of like X-Men and Spider-Man movies and the stuff in the Marvel was doing it from 2000 to like 2004. So yeah. I, I ended up watching more of those than I would go back to watching the Burton Schumacher movies. But with the researchers of Batman Begins and then later The Dark Knight, I got back into the Batman the Animated Series. And it wasn't until recently that I found out about the fact that there was comic books and a tie-in with this uh, series. I mean, the only other thing I knew about that was uh, a extension of the TV show, there was... Uh, there's a, I think, Batman the Animated Series video game for the Super NES that had, like, a... Like, it was pretty much, like, a lost episode that was pretty much made for the video game that never ended up on the air. Like, that was, like, the only thing I knew about it. I didn't know about these comic books. And it was just one random trip. I went to the comic book store, and I'm just scanning the Batman section because that's immediately where I go to whenever I go to the comic book store. It's like, all right, what do I want to read now? It's like, all right, it's either do I pick up Bruce Wayne Murderer or do I pick up the next section of Nightfall, et cetera, et cetera. But I saw the Batman Adventures, and I pulled it out, and I'm like, what is this? And (laughs) had like a Jack Skeleton moment, like, what's this? What's this? As As I flipped through it, and I decided on the spot, like, okay, I have to get this. And so... And I've been reading uh, these few uh, issues since. But 
if you want to follow along, people, you can get the Batman Adventures in trade paperback form and pretty cheaply on Amazon and such. And the first issue that we're going to be talking about, so if people want to follow along with us, the Batman Adventures Volume 1. And main writers are Kelly Puckett and Martin Pasco. Uh, artists, uh, Ty Templeton, uh, Rick Burchett, uh, Brad Rader, and Mike Parabek. Colors uh, by Rick Taylor, Tim Harkins Letter, and Ty Templeton did the collection for the the cover art for the collection. So, and the first issue, uh, it is from October of 1992, The Batman Adventures, uh, based on the hit Fox TV show. It is weird seeing Fox uh, a logo or mentioned with Batman because now we just so associated with Warner Brothers. Yeah, and it's a Penguin's big score as we see Batman gonna take out this goon named ross and he's about to take him out but we find out that it's a tv show that a goon is watching which is a little confusing it's like somebody made a tv show about batman or is this like a news bulletin i don't know i think i my thought like because i haven't read these in about five years um any of the batman adventures stuff but i i forgot pretty much the whole story of the the first two issues i just remembered the, the villains um that were in them um but i think that might just be like a bit of a meta gag given that this is a comic based on a cartoon so the goons watching the cartoon um yeah because it never really comes up again like it doesn't come up again at all from memory no, I mean, but it, I think you're right because they even have Biff Pow as like the um, sound yeah. effects coming from it. So it's obviously also making a joke on the 60s TV show at that point. Yeah. But we find out that it is the Penguin holding court pretty much with all of his goons as he wants to not just have these hired goons to do war for him, that he wants to elevate them by having a vocabulary lesson at the very beginning of this little sit down, this dinner that they're having. And it seems that uh, some people are not happy with the conversation going on. And Clarence's word is, uh, I, ooh, I don't know how to pronounce that. Arteriosclerosis is yeah. actually um, excellent term, a legal term referring to the right to assemble. And it happens when somebody insults the penguin and penguin loses his shit and Louis starts to, he's really about to murder his goon right here. I mean, it's something, I think it's the one benefit of the comic, uh, uh, series that he's, they're able to get away with a little more violence than they could on a TV show. Yeah. Which like, I don't know if like some, like would would that kind of put off kind of parents getting them for their kids or anything? Or do you think it's actually a benefit of this uh, medium that if kids are willing to go out of the way to read this versus watching the TV show? Uh, I mean, like even the violence in these are, it's pretty mild. Um, But I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like I could imagine the penguin in the cartoon doing something like this as well. I I mean, yeah, I'm just trying, I can't really think of, of a specific, um, you know, not just in these two issues, I'm just trying to think of the series overall where um, you're still like, oh, I can't imagine them doing that in the comic, but I don't know. I think maybe just because it is written word and, and pictures as opposed to the animation, it, it might stand out a little more. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the benefits of the comic is that one, like the standard and practices uh, rules for the series is that you rarely got to see Batman actually punch somebody in the face, like an actual connection. 
Like, yeah. he would punch, like, towards the camera, and then we would cut to a reaction of a dude getting the fist to the face and everything. Um, but, like, other than, like, the first episode of On Led the Wings, where they got away with a little bit more, because mm-hmm. I feel like Standard and Praxis didn't know what was up with the show and everything. That's why we see a little more blood and etc. But with this issue, we get a uh, Penguin gets a package um, from a mysterious person, and it's pretty much like a giant version. It's a giant television set that's pretty much the precursor to Skype at this point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, which is it's so strange because okay, we have this kind of video call moment here that we find out is the Joker who wants the Penguin to do some kind of bidding for him, and I'm just. This, and actually in the third issue, there's a lot of things that I'm reminded of the Dark Knight when I'm reading this comic book. It may just be circumstance there, but, and it's like, wow, this seems just very familiar, like having a, a video conference with the Joker here. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, this, um, not wanting to jump ahead too much, this also kind of was what made me think it was tied in somehow to like a kid's version of the movies, because you've got Penguin in this, um, Joker comes into it and, you know, the second issue is Catwoman um, with Joker involved as well. So, you know, you're using the three villains that have been used up to that point in the movies. Um, so, yeah, again, my little nine-year-old brain was like, yeah, this is like the movies but for kids, which essentially I guess the animated series was, but, you know, I just didn't realize that at the time. Right. I mean, if it wasn't for the 89 film being so successful – um, we wouldn't have got any of this. No, I mean, it was literally, like, it was that and the success of Tiny Toons. That's how, was it? I think it was Gene McCurdy, like, was able to give the task to Bruce Timm and Eric Radomski to um, spearhead the, the creation of uh, the series. Yeah. And so that Joker uh, gives, runs down, um, puts down the gauntlet for the Penguin, says, hey, can you do this for me? It will be worth your while. We find out that the first Gotham Bank is being broken into by the Penguin, but he's being quiet about it. There, the guards being knocked out. Batman arrives a little late, but in dramatic fashion by coming flying through the window. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I wonder if like Batman said, "You know what? I could go through the front door, but I am Batman, so I think it would be totally cool if I just came flying through the window, regardless." That's pretty much how it's got to work. Well, I was just wanted to touch too on the fact that um, that the Joker doesn't want to give away who he is, but he keeps getting screwed over. Like, is it one of his lackeys turns on the light, um, which, you know, then which he quickly gets shot um, for doing so. But yeah, I, I always found that kind of funny how it was. I actually forgot um, that the Joker gets revealed so early. Um, I knew, I knew obviously going in who it was because um, I've been reading this since 93, but yeah, because it's been so long since I've read it, I forgot that he got revealed straight away. I thought that came later. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it makes you wonder, is, like, the Joker just, like, um, employing numbskulls or anything? Like, it's, like, it, like how like how dumb are these people going to get that? It's like, all right, hey, Joker, what are you doing? Turn on the light, blam, get shot. I mean, the Joker killing his goons is a staple of everything, but I'm just like, come on, man. I think you just got to, the screening process has to be a little bit better so you don't get uh, your uh, plan spoiled like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he'd already gotten rid of Bob the Goon, so all the good, all the good, you know, henchmen were gone. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it is that that's that moment whenever, at least within a collection of friends of mine, whenever one of us gets mad, we'll eventually just sure. turn to each other. We'll just say, "Bob, gun." 
<laughs> and we just immediately realized, like, oh, we reached that point there. It's like, yep, that's the that's the level of discourse that's about to happen here. Um, which I'm now thinking about, it, I wish there was a Bob Bagoon in the animated series. Now, oh yeah, it would have been great. Uh, I mean, like he got his own action figure before, I think Vicky Vale. So you know what? He should have been part of the TV show. Yeah, yeah. No, they should have made Summer Gleason Vicky Vale or something. Yeah, I mean, like there was there were definitely changes between the movie and the TV show that were made for the better or for worse. But we'll that's neither here nor there. But that after Batman arrives to the crime scene and he t- uh, speaks to the security guard, what happens? That like, he didn't see anything. Batman wonders, like, okay, what's going on here? But that's the beginning of Act 2, where the Penguin is going on this kind of spearheaded campaign here where he's trying to rebuild his image by becoming Gotham's biggest philanthropist. And he's saying, like, yes, I've made mistakes in the past, but I'm going to – I am turning over a new leaf here. And since the – I I don't know. I just got this feeling for it. Maybe it's because um, I'm just cynical and I just – I've worked in broadcasting that like the host being so like hanging on every word because you know it's just getting ratings there that she does not really care about his um, plight or anything like that. I don't know. I could just be reading into that. Yeah, no, and it's funny actually with him wanting to climb the social ladder and everything too. I didn't realize this until yesterday. I'm like, they actually never call him Oswald at any point, which you would have thought um, they would have done you know, or he would have wanted them to do to sort of get rid of that penguin title. But everyone just refers to him as the penguin. Like again, not wanting to jump ahead too much, but even when he gets the, the award later, it's, it's announced as the penguin, not Oswald Cobblepot. Which I think it's, that's, I guess just being reflective of the series because it's rare. And if I, I may be mistaken in the TV show that we hear him referred to as Oswald Cobblepot. Yeah. I'm I just, now that you mentioned that, I'm not sure either, but I, I did notice too. I mean, I'm reading this out of the, um, the original, um, trade collection from, I think like 93 or 94, um, that's collected. I think it's got the first six issues or something in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed the first page of act two has the old classic comic slash old cartoon thing where, um, in one panel, the penguin's wearing a um, brown vest, like he should be, like a brown waistcoat, like he should be. Mm. Then in like the big shot, it's white, like they haven't colored it or they've colored it wrong. Yeah, that's the same thing in mine. I mean, like that's the like I have the more modern. I think this is like from like 2014, the trade paperback that I have. I get collects issues yeah. one through ten, but it's, yeah. it's printed on the I, same. I, I I haven't got in those trades. I've got them now, but I didn't. I I started from um, the collection number two. Because I have the, the first two individual trades from the 90s um, that collects issues 1 to 12. So I double up on two issues in the trade version, but I've got the, the two originals. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy. I know it looks a bit weird on my shelf, but I, I like that I have the originals as opposed to just the reprints. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least if I'm... At least you still have the old DC logo on those trade paperbacks, right? I do. I do. That's my favorite version of the DC logo. I know it's a very weird thing to harp on, but it's like, I don't know. I just love that classic, like, excuse design there. I hated the one they had before the most current one. Like, I despised it. Um, So, you know, the the old one with the stars and everything on it. Yep, that's the, the black and white one. That's on my trade. Yeah, like the one I have on this current tree is the one where it's like it's like the peeling DC logo, yeah, and I'm I like, I hate mm. that logo. I hate it. 
I know it's a total nitpick there, but it's like, okay, that's the thing. It's a brand. It's supposed to be something you'd be proud of. Like, yeah, here's our logo. It's falling apart. Yeah, no, I don't like it. No. But at least the one cool thing I, I enjoy about this trade is it's still printed on the old paper. It's not glossy. Yeah, which, yeah no, I like that. Yeah, and I think that's and that's another thing that I enjoy about reading old trade paperbacks. I mean, like I have a bunch of the Justice League International, which was the Justice League title in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. I've read those. Yeah, and they were still printed on the old paper. And I have like some old um, Suicide Squad when it's John Ostrander's run on it. It's printed on those old paper, and I'm like, and it's it's going to sound weird, but it has like a a, a particular smell to it, um, which sort of triggers nostalgia for me as well. Oh, totally. I mean, it's the fact that um, it's like kind of like how old books smell and you kind of get that kind of aroma about it that you really mm-hmm. enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I I enjoy digital and I enjoy the convenience of it, but I mean, I will go out of my way for physical media. I mean, like I have the DC Universe, but I still went out and bought the the Batman anime series on physical because I'm like, I want the... If, say, if the DC Universe goes down or anything, or if I'm not near a computer, I can just throw one of these discs on and have it. I mean, there's a reason why... Yeah, there are some things you just want to have on your shelf. Definitely. And uh, I'm just, I'm, as recently, I'm looking at my bookshelf, and, like, half of it is comics, and half of it is, like, um, books on filmmaking and everything, and I'm realizing, all right, I'm running out of room. I need another bookshelf, because this will just give me more reason to buy more comics, and so, and just, yeah. like, it's, like, it's going to be a good um, decision to, like, have everything in order, but it's, like, that just gives me more license to buy things, so I know it's... Well, <laughs> I mean, I know we're going off track a little bit, but... You know, when I said I haven't read these for five years. When I, when I read them five years ago, I just got my first iPad. Never had one before. And uh, I acquired um, digitally the entire run of the Batman adventures, including the Batman and Robin adventures. And the, I think they became, became the Gotham adventures, the, the sort of third iteration. Iteration, sorry. I, I, yeah, kind of acquired them. VHS style, if you will, um, <laughs> if, you, if you listen to Holly Backcast with the the, um, the Titans episodes, that was the first thing I did when I got an iPad was was find a way to get the old Batman Adventures comics, and they're still on my iPad. They're the only comics that I've had on my iPad that I've never deleted. Um, I've always kept them on there just because it's like, well, if I'm caught somewhere um, and I need to kill time, I know I can just go to those and read them, but and I think that was before the trades, the new trades that we were just talking about started to come out. Um, and, and the last two Christmases, um, and I think even maybe my birthday last year, um, I've, I've asked for and had people buy me the new trades because even though I've got them all digitally and in my, my um, hometown, uh, I've still got the majority of the, the single issues from when they first came out um, there. I, I still wanted the the actual trades of all of them together to have on my shelf because these are the comics of my childhood. These are the comics I grew up with. And to this day, you know, 28, 29 years later, whatever it is, they're still my favorite comics because, and they're my favorite style of comics because you, you can pick up any issue and it's a one and done. And it's a really good story. There's action, there's adventure, there's sometimes humor, there's sometimes a lot of heart and, well, there's usually a lot of heart and emotion and everything. And, you don't you haven't needed to be reading comics for three months to understand what's going on and they don't reference stuff that you have no idea about or you know from previous issues i i love 
old school one and done style comics. And that's why I find it hard even today to keep up to date with current comics, because if you fall behind to a certain, it gets to a certain point where it just feels like homework. And, and with these comics, it never, ever felt like that. And I can pick up any trade um, off a shelf, go to any issue on my iPad or whatever, and you know you're going to have a good time. You're not going to be lost, and it's a one-and-done story, and, and you can move on. I think that's just the benefit of those that type of storytelling. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think the TV show was so successful, because they adhered to that same principle Yes. Uh, with the exception of like the, the handful of two parts that are sprinkled throughout the series. Oh yeah, but that that's different. And they were a special like they were a special occasion. They, it wasn't all the time. It wasn't serialized if that kind of makes makes more more sense. Like your young justice and even the Justice League cartoons, like this 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 universe of animated series eventually morphed into that. Um but but Batman Adventure that sorry, um Batman the animated series it, it stuck to each one was sort of its own mini movie, and I think it benefited from it. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I'm not saying there's no place for serialized comics and things like that, but f- for an average Joe or someone just wanting to jump in, it, it does make it hard. And even for someone like me who's a comics fan, it it does after, like when Rebirth hit, you know, like I started getting like all the number ones and, and, and dove in and everything. And then after about, 12 months or so it i i dropped out again because i couldn't keep up um and and it really did start to feel like homework and you know it, i wanted to read the latest issue but it had been that long since i'd read what happened previously that then meant i had to go and read six or seven issues just to catch up to where i was and by the time i've done that another two or three issues have come out and it you know it it, it really does and that's where i think i i know that the comic market these days, I think they really make their money off trades. Um, so I get why they do the longer arcs and everything, but then when you include crossovers and things like that, like it really does, it, it just gets too much for me. And I think the average person would find it easier to come in if there were more comic series like this um, today. I mean, you if you're a kid going into a comic book store and you see Detective Comics number 965... Mm-hmm. You're like, well, do I need to read everything from one to nine sixty four? I mean, yeah. I think that there is a there is a place for the. I understand the the idea of having getting up to a high number and keeping an ongoing story yeah. like that. But then you look at trade paperbacks and you wonder why things like No Man's Land or Nightfall or Cataclysm. How many versions of that has been reprinted because everybody loves to get the trade paperbacks? Because a it collects a lot of story, including crossovers, and B, it just looks really cool on your bookshelf having it a trade form. It looks good on a shelf, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's another thing that I mar I marvel at <laughs> when I go into a comic book store and I see all that. <laughs> um, yeah, first bad pun fired. Okay, it only took us a half an hour, um, and seeing all that collected and lined up, everything, it just looks really nice. But then you see like. It, take that versus a long box of single issues. Which one is more visually appealing, if just aesthetically, the trade paperbacks? Yes, yeah, exactly. But anyway, um, back to the issue at hand. Sorry, we got a bit sidetracked there. As it happens, if a podcast does not get sidetracked, I feel like like I don't know if you're really having a good conversation. <laughs> if you don't go or not. off topic, if you don't go off topic, have you even recorded a podcast? No, not at all. Not in my eyes. <laughs> um, and so. That the penguin is still um, preaching to the fact that he's like he's going to do 
He's going to handle himself under grace. If anybody has any problem with that, um, uh, that's it. Let's go man to man. I'm right here. And he's pretty much like threatening anybody who's going to try and take him on or anything like that. And we see the uh, Batman in Batcave trying to figure out what is going on. And just something you don't get to see that often is just uh, Bruce Wayne with the cowl down, but with him still in the costume. Yeah, and it's a good look. I love I love Batman in costume, you know, with just the cowl off. I've always liked that. Yeah, I mean, like we we saw it. I think like maybe once in the the Nolan trilogy. I think in Dark Knight Rises at one point when he comes back mm-hmm. and he takes off his mask, and it's like it's rare to see just Christian Bale in the costume without the cowl on. It's just a, a really cool look. I mean, how many times you see them in Power Rangers? Like they did it once, and how many more times they did it afterwards? Because like it was so cool seeing them in the outfits like that. Yeah, um, but- I think I think maybe there was the once in Dark Knight too after Rachel had just died when he's sitting in the apartment, but it's he's just sitting in the chair holding the cow. But in Rises, he's actually up and moving, and yeah, like it's a good look. Yeah, I mean, I think like the reason why I think it looks so cool in the Dark Knight is because he's stripped off whatever like extremities of the suit, and it's like scattered on the floor leading up to him and being in the chair while he's still holding the cowl. But him just walking around and moving around while still having the cape on, for some reason that just looks really cool. And we Ben Affleck did it uh, briefly in BVS after he um, that Superman heard his Batmobile. Um, yeah, and, and I always I love that moment when like Batman comes speeding into the Batcave with a damaged Batmobile. I just feel like he hurt my he just damaged my bike. It's so mean like that. For some reason that the, the vibe I always got from that in a humorous way, but. Um, Bruce Wayne is trying to figure out, or Batman is trying to figure out the methods of why he's doing this because Penguin would usually telegraph that he was like doing these kind of dastardly crimes and everything, but he's being very quiet and he's trying to figure out why would he be wanting to do this. And he's trying to figure out all the people that he is robbing has a very specific purposes that they're all high society donors to charities and everything. And he's re- robbing them of the millions. And that's when he gets the clever idea after he has um, a conversation with Alfred, and then we cut to the Gotham Plaza Hotel, where the Mayor, Mayor Hill is about to give an award. Well, he's going to ask Jim Gordon to give an award to Gotham's newest philanthropist, much to the chagrin of Gordon here. I do like the way that, <laughs> and particularly after, you know, watching the cartoons, like hearing it in his voice, the way he sort of balks at it and, and doesn't want doesn't want to say it and... It's pretty funny. For some reason, I just met, like I had it was like, almost like a flashback to like the La La Land Moonlight moment here at the Oscars. Yeah. Like that's what I like, ran through my head here. Like this, are we are we right about this? Okay. And you, <laughs> oh, that still makes me cringe. But anyway, uh, yeah. But like you're right that like, you can always hear um, Gordon just like almost like cringing at the fact like this award goes to the penguin like i just imagine yeah it's like it's gritting his teeth at that point uh-huh and the, the um the penguin goes up to his accept his ward and he's about to give a speech and everything but that's when they're informed that oh no wait somebody's donated more and literally yanks the award out of penguin's uh, hand like no chill whatsoever here no and I love the way when with the reveal that it's Bruce, I love the way that Bruce is drawn in this. Like he just looks so smug and cocky. Like he's almost no no pun intended, but like he's almost flipping the penguin the bird, like <laughs> without flipping him the bird. 
Yeah, he's just like so cocksure here. It's like, thank you, Mr. Mayor, Commissioner Gordon. And like, he's just, and uh, you can definitely tell that the mayor and Gordon are very happy that they're giving the war to Bruce Wayne rather than the Penguin. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you can definitely tell this is a, a different time because, A, the penguin's smoking indoors. You rarely see that anymore. <laughs> or him smoking, period. True. I mean, it's part of the rating system for the MPAA. If you like, have a character smoking in that movie, that's why you never see it in movies anymore unless it's already nope. rated R. Yeah. Um, and then we move on to Act 3. That that after the penguin gets the right idea, like okay, this guy that Bruce Wayne is the one who's gonna think he's the most charitable person in Gotham. Fine, let's rob him. And so we cut to the Wayne Financial Institution as the, the penguin and his gang are going through. And I love the fact that that he's so angry that he's just criticizing the architecture of the building itself. And yeah, he's, like he's like, oh, like now what's this supposed to be? It doesn't even look like anything. This is telling the extreme wealth that's wasted on people like this. That he's that he's making fun of the fact that Wayne is not. Um, I don't know. You would say. Um, uh, oh, I was trying to think of the right term, but he's not gauche with it. He's just like he's not um, showing off his wealth like that. No. And just imagine, like if if. The Penguin would live in a, in a mansion like Tony Montana from Scarface if he, if he had the wealth to. Just something that was really gaudy like that and trying to show his wealth off like that. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But this is when we finally get to the, uh, that um, Batman um, shows up and because the, the entire building is empty and everything and but the lights go out and like, okay, everybody just stay calm. It's probably only the guards and... Batman makes a joke here. He does. <laughs> it's actually it's actually a good one. <laughs> it is. I mean, like it's like maybe it's Batman just talking as if he's one of the goons out there just to mess with them. Yeah, I actually I actually kind of like it <laughs> because that's what something Batman would do. Just like because there's so many instances of in this show of like him tapping somebody on the shoulder, making them turn before he would hit him, or he would scare them in, in a sick um uh form of humor yeah i, I mean it, for this version of the character it does it does work to a to a degree like he's not wise cracking he's just you know stirring up the goons exactly i mean i mean remind because i just rewatched the episode uh um i think it's the last laugh where the joker is trying to escape and he almost goes into the garbage disposal unit at, mm-hmm. at the dump and everything, and Joker's pleading with his life, like, Batman, you won't let me die, would you? And it's because the Batman is, like, leaning on a railing, just like, hmm, should I keep <laughs> let him live or not? Like, I'm just like, it is, like, he should be, like, writing in his diary at that point, like, thinking about somebody he has a crush on in that, in that pose there. <laughs> and if this was in bed to the comic, if this is more violent because... All the goons start firing at each other. This would be a moment where they would actually just kill each other in the crossfire. Yes. Which I thought would be kind of funny if that would happen. Like, they would, they would wound themselves like that. But Penguin says, let's split up and we'll find, we'll, we'll find whoever's doing this and take them out. But none of the goons are liking it because this is when the Batman starts to be the reason why he's Batman, why he dresses up like that, that he's terrifying everybody. Which I, f- I find a little weird here, that all of a sudden, 
that these two goons find another pair knocked out, and Batman stays up on them, but then all of a sudden, the goons don't have their guns in their hands, it seems like Batman just ripped them out without them really noticing. Yeah. I don't know how yeah, that happened. Just, yeah, it's kind of weird. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, but we also have a really kick-ass fight scene with this guy trying to go toe-to-toe with Batman, and it's obvious that they, he is no match for it. And there's something about good comic book fight scenes because there are so many instances of comic book fight scenes where it's kind of incomprehensible. You can't tell what's happening. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that we have kind of a poetry in motion here that we have a montage of like these guys going after him and Batman evading him and knocking him out and the knocking one dude out by uh, throwing him into a wall and this the bigger dude with a nice crack across the face knocking him out. Yep, it's literally a crack. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, like I said before, of him not being able to really fight people on the TV show in a very direct way. It's nice to see him be able to do that in this uh, form. Mm-hmm. But it ends up that the final guys are going to be watching um, Penguin's back. But Batman comes down, knocks a goon's uh, gun out of his hand with a batarang. But this one guy's like, you know what? Oh, I'm going to take a swipe at him with this pipe. And that he does a judo like toss and throws the guy into a uh, door, knocking himself out. Mm-hmm. And the Penguin says, like, oh, I can see all these millions. But Penguin's like, no, you're not going to be able to do that. And I'm... You really have no uh, way of uh, connecting me to these crimes or anything, Batman. Don't even bother. But Batman says, nope, I turned on the power, and so all the camera's been working ever since you've been in here. So, bam, you're arrested. And we find out the Penguin is going back to jail. And we see the Joker is... um, Says he's foiled, smiled, and I got what I want. That he seems like he's happy with the results. Yes. Which um, which begs the question is is what what was he looking at? Something before we move on to issue two, we were talking about you know the old comics with the paper and stuff, and um, because you know we're probably spending more time on each page doing this when I read it, um, I'm actually noticing very much that this is these comics are actually lighter um than the animated series itself purely because of the way comics were printed back then, like with your your bright solid colored backgrounds and you know goons wearing like bright pink suits and stuff like that like it's um you know yellow walls even in the um sort of in this last scene like the fight scene here and stuff like the walls are purple and things like that just because of how comics you know with the the way the inking or whatever it is worked back then like the colors were just much brighter and 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 more solid and and not shaded and things like that yeah i mean i think that's just a result of being able to print it like that and i don't think because the Animated series is very contrasty and a lot of shadows. I mean, they mm-hmm. painted them on, on black paper, and so and then they make the colors afterwards. And so, it, it is a very different thing. Do you think that's kind of, as somebody who's not read these before, do you think that could be a detriment to new readers to this series? Uh I don't know because I mean, all comics of that era and and prior to that, like this is what they looked like. It was just because of the technology they had, and, and this is what comics were back then. Like, And I'm, I'm not, and if Andy's listening, I apologize. But that's why I always thought with Batman Forever, um, you know, people criticize how it was really bright and, and with neon colors and stuff like that. And I remember at the time, Joe Schumacher saying he wanted to make a living comic book. And 
and you look at comics not just like this. Like I even made a point. I think it was an early episode of the Nightlight, or it might have even been the show I did before that. I deliberately pulled out a trade of of Nightfall, um, and and handed it to Steve, and I'm like, look at the colors in this comic, and it was people that you know people had like bright pink hair and and blue hair and and really bright popping colors for backgrounds and stuff like that because that's what comics looked like back then and i was kind of like i i've always thought that's what they were going for with the with it being brighter and everything is because that's what comics actually looked like back then exactly i mean it is so easy to take pop shots at the schumacher films and everything but I mean, look, Batman and Robin's a pile of shit. And I know, again, Andy will be, it's the same movie. But <laughs> in, in just in comparison to, to, to Batman Returns and stuff, which I like, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, like, I, I even as an 11-year-old, I kind of, I think I got it. I was just like, oh, this is kind of literally like what the comic books look like. Because I was reading them, and they were. Like, even this one, like, the, one of the goons is wearing a bright pink suit with a purple hat. Like, you know, people in the cartoon, in the animated series that this is based on weren't wearing that. But just with the technology they had, that's what they had to do for, for comics back in the 80s and 90s and stuff. Right. I mean, like, in the series, there was a lot of browns, there's a lot of dark colors and everything, just to be able to blend, to separate them from the backgrounds. But, yeah, you were able to expand it a little bit here in the comics. I mean, I will fight tooth and nail when it comes to Batman Forever. Uh, like, especially the flashbacks to young Bruce Wayne, like, how stylish that looks. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I will say about at least the Batman 89 is that it has a certain graininess to it. It's very raw. Like it's like the I want to say the colors are washed out, but the colors don't really pop in that movie. No, I mean like I'm thinking like Axis Chemicals or like when there, it's daytime when the mayor is talking to Gordon and Dent outside, saying trying to get the. It's also uh, very 80s too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like in but you see certain like 80s movies where like or they like, say like something like Blade Runner, which like a lot of colors pop in that movie, but um mm-hmm. and. Or even Batman Returns, which is more contrasty and is more stylized, but it is very much a Tim Burton movie in comparison to Batman '89. Mm-hmm. But you like put that up against Batman Forever. I think Batman Forever, at least at the, I think is a better representation of the comics of late '80s, early '90s at that point. Even though Schumacher was trying to ape off the '60s TV show in terms mm. of tone. I mean, I'll go so far as to say, um, and I don't even know if I've mentioned this on the couple of shows I've been on talking about Batman Forever. I can clearly remember opening day of seeing, like, seeing that in the movies. And again, my first Batman movie, that shot after the first action sequence, um, you know, when Batman comes out of the water after jumping out the helicopter and stuff like that. And then you've got, I mean, it's really bad CGI now, but you've got sort of that sweeping shot coming into Wayne Enterprises. Um which is the first time in those movies you heard about Wayne Enterprises at all. Um, and just the way that, like, the Wayne building looked and the logo and stuff like that, I clearly remember going, oh, this is just like the animated series. <laughs> like, I had that moment of going, like, are they like, are they doing the animated series now? Like, are they using that as inspiration? Like, yeah, and I mean, I was 11, but that, I had that moment in that movie of going, oh, this is just like the cartoon, you know, that I'd been watching at that point for two years and had fallen in love with. So, you know, it, it's, it kind of comes full circle. <laughs> uh, totally, especially 
story-wise when it comes to Batman and Robin with like A being the heart of I storyline in that movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Less said the better. Of course. I mean, I enjoy Batman and Robin as, a, as like a comedy because I mm-hmm. do laugh my ass off in that movie and like I realize how bad it is. But yeah. I, I, I still think the best moments is just George Clooney with Michael Goth. Like, like those are like the most sincere moments in that movie. Mm-hmm. And but like that's it's few and far between for, compared to the rest of the two hour runtime and everything, but at least that one CGI shot that you mentioned it does add a sense of scale to Gotham City that was sorely lacking that you could say in the at least the previous movie. I know I hope I hope the guy Andy doesn't listen to his listeners because he's not going to allow us either one of us back on on uh, Holy Batcast now because we're talking so positively about Batman Forever. He knows who we are. Exactly, and I think, and he accepts us anyway because he's a fantastic guy. Exactly, and it's probably just our age showing that we appreciate that a little bit more than some Cause, people. Yeah, because he's old. <laughs> uh, the thoughts and opinions of Brendan Lowe do not represent everybody. <laughs> hey, I'm, uh, I'm turning 35 in a fortnight, so. Oh boy, uh, are you having are you having a little bit of a meltdown? Eh, it's okay. Ask me in five years and I'm about to hit 40. It could be a different story. Okay, then. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we get back to Batman The Adventures uh, issue number two, released in November of 1992, and it's a Catwoman story, and the title is Catwoman, Catwoman's Killer Caper. Uh, Actually, that was, sorry, just before you go ahead, that's something else I wanted to mention at the end of that last issue, is I liked how these comics literally have a three-act structure. Like, it calls it out. Like, you've got Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. Well, that was really cool and not something that... I think that's kind of very unique to these comics. Like, I don't recall seeing that anywhere, um, you know, before or after. No, but it's it's kind of like much like a TV series that an act would end with a commercial break. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like... And usually a cliffhanger where it's like... Like, the one thing that comes to mind... um, uh, Fire of, of Olympus, where Batman's trying to get to Maxi Zeus and he's getting strangled by that python, and that goes to commercial break. Like that's an uh-huh. end of Act Two going into Act Three. And yeah. but you're right. It's usually, it usually is like a surprise. Batman's got a surprise look on his face because something's about to hit him or or whatever, and then yeah, it'll go to a commercial break. Yeah, and now I'm just like speaking of surprised uh, Batman uh, expression. My favorite is when he realizes Scarface is a, a living doll. Speaking, and it, his reaction is so extreme in that moment. It is. It's like, pretty funny. It's like, like what? <laughs> like, like so slack jawed in that moment there. Like, wow, like world's greatest detective? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and so, with Catwoman's killer caper, we have a pair of sec- we have three security guards, and like any sitcom, we come in on the punchline of a joke that we don't hear the setup of because, and apparently, it's <laughs> supposed to be funny. Ah, uh, so the bad guy says, "What? No shaving cream? <laughs> what a good one!" I, 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 it's a, it's, a, it's an annoying trope of writing that I, I, I really, I find bothersome. But I understand if you're writing a scene, like one of the, the principles of scene structure is get in late, get out early, get in as late as possible, so we can get just the essential information and get out as early as yeah. possible. So I get because that's the thing. It's the more the thing we're supposed to be taking from this is that Catwoman's put up a tripwire. Um, as opposed, it's just showing them randomly talking about stuff that's not important. Right. And, and Catwoman goes and steals some jewelry. And while she does that, uh, we hear a crash. 
and that's when the guards coming after him. But they trip like a Harry and Marv, as in Home Alone, like going into one of Kevin's <laughs> traps. I mean, like that. I, I should not complain because I have like giant clumsy feet and I trip over everything. So and, and and especially stuff right in front of me. So maybe I should not be so harsh on these guards who are running at, at, um, in uh, a frantic pace there. Well, they're also running from a bright orange room into a dark room, so... True. And we have one cop, or one security guard, gun drawn, saying, Freeze, I will shoot! I'ma do it! And he's, he's the old guy that was asleep, too, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but he has, like, such an ample opportunity to fire, and he warns so many times, and then she just jumps and, like, and um, said, you know what? I could've. I could've shot her. <laughs> Try to validate is his um, decision there, but this is a strange thing here. I remember, like, because Catwoman leaves a scratch on one of the security guards' face, which I'm kind of reminded of Batman Year One when she leaves the claw marks on Falcone's face as a reminder. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like that never happened on the TV show. I don't think so, did it? I can't remember. I don't. Maybe not, because that might have been a bit violent. That's what I'm thinking, and I'm like, wow, that's something that's going a little far. It might have been maybe in the first episode, and they never did again. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, for those who might be who have a didactic memory for those episodes and were remembering it wrong, I apologize. Please don't correct us. <laughs> um, and so, I don't. It's not my show. You can email Tim. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate the love and support there. Um, and so Catwoman goes diving out of there. Um, and one of the guards says, oh, just go back to sleep. You're useless, pretty much. Um, Catwoman gets back to her, her penthouse apartment with her myriad of cats. And then despite how nice that apartment must look like, I, I just imagine it has a really strong cat smell in there. Ugh. Yeah. I couldn't set foot in there. My eyes would be watering and I'd be sneezing within two minutes because I'm allergic to cats. Ooh, that's unfortunate. Not really. I hate them. <laughs> uh, you see, this is why... Dogs are better, just saying. Exactly. With you. <laughs> and then we have this we have this moment here that she's talking to her cats here, and she's even uh, criticizing the fact, like, maybe I shouldn't have uh, stolen this necklace, and officer just uh, gives it to one of her cats there, and I'm like, wow, you really are well off, are you, Selena, that you're just going to give up, like, a priceless necklace to a cat of yours? Yeah, and actually one difference from this in the anime, it's like the cartoon, is um, she doesn't have all the cats, like, she's just got Isis. Um which goes to show it's from, you know, the 90s, naming something ISIS and it not being a big deal. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's just got the one cat, whereas in here, yeah, there's like hundreds. They're everywhere. Yeah, it's more akin to Batman Returns with all the cats that show up after uh-huh. she finally has her breakdown, which I love to this day when Michelle Pfeiffer yes. loses her shit. Um, which I do, I like. I would love to have that sign. This is hell here in bright pink neon to put up under the window just to freak out the neighbors. Hey, yeah, that makes me think of it. People criticize Schumacher for neon. Tim Burton did it first. <laughs> okay, it's only just occurred to me. Okay, now we're grasping at straws here to try to justify that those movies, but. Selena gets a um, a unexpected visitor with a Max the delivery boy who's in obviously very attracted to Selena Kyle and very nervous around her. Yes, and he brings in this giant uh, package and everything, and it's just like, and she's being kind of slightly flirtatious, like, "Wow, you, are you been working out?" Like, "Why, yes, Miss Kyle." It's like, and I love the next line, "Good then, you can close the door all by yourself." And I'm like, "Wow, <laughs> Burn. yeah," and then. 
She turns on the TV, and much like the Penguins um, television, we find that it, it is a uh, it is a two way uh, television set here, and. Much like last time, there's another guy who spoils the Joker's um, secret identity here, resulting in another goon getting shot. Um, I, I, now I just wonder if it's just like Will Ferrell from the Austin Powers movies. It's the same guy who just, just <laughs> won't die. Yeah, I'll Mustafa. <laughs> but I think my favorite frame of this comic is right here, where it's framed through Catwoman's arm as she has her hand on her hip there. Oh, and- yeah, the look on the Joker's face and stuff. And it's perfect like that, and then we have that he puts the proposition of, like, will you steal the crown jewels from, uh, in London, and all I want is a small trinket in return, and it will be worth your while to do so. And so she agrees to that, but we then cut to the top of GCPD, and it's a classic thing, because we have Batman and Gordon meeting on a rooftop, you don't get more quintessential Batman than that. No, not at all. And Jim, like Jim just sort of waiting there and then Batman just showing up and him hearing the voice behind him. Exactly. I mean, like the only way you could make it more um, essential is like if uh, Commissioner Gordon was smoking here. Like that's the only thing. Yeah, with his like, pipe. Yeah. His pipe or anything. And then, but I love it. It's like, I don't like being out this late. And, and, and you can obviously tell it like the sun is rising at this point. Like, so it's literally the wee hours of the morning here. And we mm-hmm. find out the crown jewels of Britain have been stolen. And and so they decide to go after him. And he believes that it's Catwoman. So he, Batman takes on the mission and head on out there. But this is something different that Gordon sees Batman leave. Yeah. He always sees him in the distance, yeah. But, I mean, then again, like, it, Commissioner Gordon does clean his glasses at one point, and so maybe by the time you put it back on, like, Batman is already in the wind right there. That's that's kind of how I took it, yeah. I mean, like, it would be fun. Like, I could see just the parody version of that, just like, all right, Jim, I'll see you later. And he just walks to the edge and just, like, kind of hops off and, like, doesn't do the Batman disappearing act, and Commissioner Gordon's like, huh, yeah. well, that was a little unclimactic. And, anticlimactic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Act 2, panic over London Town as we cut to London itself and Batman is in his uh, secret identity of Bruce Wayne going to see, wants to see the museum where all these jewels are being held and we had this curator going on and who's going to show him to the Thomas Wayne Memorial Gallery but Bruce is curious about what happened to the crown jewels and everything and we find out that they shouldn't have been able to pull this off here and saying that no way that the alarm shouldn't have been tripped and none of the security was uh, turned off or anything. But that's when Bruce gets the bright idea, like, huh, something is different here. And I, he's going to come back later as Batman. Mm-hmm. Which I love because we see Batman the detective. Yeah, and it's Batman. The other thing is, too, like, it's it's Batman in London, which um, which is different. And uh, it's, it's you know, the fact that he's not, um, you know, up against Lord Fog and Lady Pea Soup in London. That That's something <laughs> different, too. And we don't have... That's a, a bit of a deep cut there. Like, 60s fans will get that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, wow. It took the moment there. Londinium Batcave. And... <laughs> I mean, and then we don't have, like, well, like a London Bridge falling down or anything like that. But it, no. it does harken back to... Something that obviously Danny O'Neill and Neil Adams would foster, like that Batman being like James Bond in a cape, 
and being like an international mm-hmm. crime fighter at that point. Yeah. And so then we have like him measuring of what's going on here of like the distance between um the the podium and the ground and then the um podium to a 1 meter ahead, above and everything. And he's like, "Gotcha." And we find out that Aslina is watching the news, trying to find out what's going on, and she's, like, I don't know, just, like, cackling to herself that she's just so proud with her own deeds here. Yeah, because all the news reports are saying that there's, um, you know, they've got no leads or anything like that. Like, they have no idea what's going on, so she thinks she's gotten away with it. Which, I, I it is a joke that my friend uh, Mike and I had, that, like, it seems like evil people are having a lot of time because they're, they're always laughing. They always seem to be in a good <laughs> mood. It makes you wonder, like... It's, it's people doing dastardly things just know something that we don't and we should be um, doing the same things as they are. I mean, people do say it's more fun to be the bad guy. That is true. But another Austin Powers reference, I'm just reminded of like, that big long laugh they all have and then they uh, all laugh themselves uh, um, quiet. Just like, ha this is what happens when we have a long laugh and everything. Yeah. Um, but we also have a report of the escaped criminal at the same time that's also going on that uh, two men have broken out of a prison and the news reporter has finished up his uh, on-the-scene on report here doing his uh, stand-up to camera that's when these goons um, um, show themselves, saying they're going to need the van. But that's when Batman... Very, very fetching prison garb as well. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> seriously, I, I I, mean, I understand it is based off a cartoon and everything like that. But it's like, wow, you are literally just... Like, you guys should have, like, a ball and chain connected to your ankles here. Like, they're one step short of being the Beagle Boys from DuckTales. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that theme song's going to be stuck in my head now for the rest of the night. I hope you're happy. You are welcome. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, and so they try and strong on the uh, reporter to uh, take on, um, take his van and everything, but Batman swoops in and knocks him out one-two punch with a nice little womp and smack. And in return, the helping out the, the uh, news reporter, he says, I need your help with something. And that's when they do a special report that the these guys have been apprehended by Batman. And Selena Kyle's like, wait, what? Batman's here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, if you were a criminal in a different country, you'd probably think, like, I had nothing to worry about. But all of a sudden, if you find Batman there, you'd be like, all right, crap. Now I got to really have to move it. Mm-hmm. And she's pissed when she's pulling a Catwoman costume out the cupboard. Yeah, and, and I'm just kind of imagining, like, her, like, ang- like you ever try to put on clothes when you're angry in, in, in a huff? You, you kind of, like, you get, like, at least for me, like, sometimes, like, one pant leg will get stuck. And you're like, damn it, cut, damn it. And you have to relax. Like, okay. <laughs> Fine. That's how I'm imagining Selena trying to put on this costume now, that she's going to get flustered somehow trying to put on the costume and causing, like, <laughs> and, and her getting angrier at it. And so we cut to Act 3, Midnight Madness, when Catwoman returns and tips over the podium, and we find a note saying, too late, that he's got the crown jewels, and he uses a bolo and whip and ties her up and everything, which is something you don't get to see that often in Batman uh, comics. No. It's kind of like, ah, it's just like, because you always see the battering and always the grappling hook, but like, you rarely get to see him like trying to like rope and hog tie somebody and you kind of wish he did more. But if he, he was going to hog tie anyone, it'd be Selena, though. It would be, let, let's be honest here. But he <laughs> makes the foolish mistake by, and she even points out to him that she's having a conversation, what's going on here, that she allows him to get too close. Yep. 
But that that is classic Batman. He would allow uh, Catwoman to get too close to him. Wouldn't you? <laughs> well, yeah. But then again, I think I would say no at the podium if it, it came to like uh, the altar of her them getting married. But that's my opinions on the Bat and yes. Cat relationship there. I'm just assuring my chance of never being hired by DC now, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Catwoman cuts herself loose, uh, she gets the crown, and she starts to make her escape here, and we have this action set piece, which is really cool, no dialogue, you rarely get to see that in comics sometimes, so it's just pure panel of them being chased, and it seems that Catwoman has evaded him, going across the rooftops of London. Yeah, see, in this day and age, there'd be voiceover somewhere in this. Yeah, it, it seems like some writers don't have the confidence, or maybe it's artists that feel the need that there must be some kind of dialogue going on in every single panel. Uh-huh. But, and so, Catwoman, I, I presume this is Big Ben. I, 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 this may not, no, I don't think this is Big Ben. Hmm. It's a big clock. It is a big clock. I'm just thinking the design looks a little different and everything. Anyway, Batman comes up and he's able, she has a little bit of a tuffle with um, Selena, but she goes over the edge and ends mm-hmm. up hanging. <laughs> I didn't even mean yeah. that. <laughs> uh, uh, like, that was unintentional, everybody. Nobody's going to believe that. But um, she's hanging off the edge of the clock. He throws down a rope. And. Uh, the. This is kind of foolish that he falls for it again. Yeah. He's thinking below the utility belt. But now I'm just thinking back of Batman Returns. Like, how could you? I'm a woman. And he goes, if he couldn't tell, (laughs) I'm sorry. And then he just gets kicked in the face afterwards. Yep. But then she just calls him sucker and punches him in the face. And he goes over the, uh, he goes off the ledge. Uh I'm not going to fall for it again. And Uh he saves himself. But it seems that Catwoman has got the jewels and he swears next time as if he's like, um, Inspector, oh, I mean, Dr. Claw? Yeah, like Dr. Claw at the end of it, Inspector Gadget. Uh, there, like, like, and now I'm just imagining Dr. Claw's voice coming out of Batman. It's, it's kind of creepy there. Yeah. And at the very end, we have another, much like the first issue, we have um, the special package delivered to Joker by Catwoman, and it says now he's ready to come after Batman, and that's the end of the second issue. Mm-hmm. And so, your feelings on this uh, second issue? Um... I mean, I kind of buried the lead at the start. Like, I love these comics. Um, I, I do think they get better as they go along. Um, I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of these first couple where um, the Joker's sort of using Penguin and Catwoman. Um, particularly Catwoman, I don't think that she would do that necessarily like she'd probably tell the joker to go fuck himself and i mean obviously not in these comics because they're oh, yeah. kids but yeah overall but i mean look it, it, it's a bit of fun and like i said i i think um they do get better as they go along um these comics but i i love them these are again uh, these are the comics i grew up with these are the first comics i ever collected um and these are the first issues of that series so they, they hold a special place in my heart um yeah i, I think they're really good I mean, if this is like the DC Black Label where we see like the Batwing, I think that's when we see Catwoman say "fuck off" to uh, yeah, Joker. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it is curious to see like, even though we said like these issues, much like the TV show, is kind of like very 
one done you could kind of pick them up and no problem like the only thing that makes it um seem like there's an ongoing story is the bookends with the joker at the beginning and end of these two issues which culminates in the third issue and which i think is a very has a nice cool kind of like send off there and we'll kind of get into that next time and i really enjoyed them and it definitely seems to capture the spirit of the tv show while still being kind of its own thing, these eight, like we had mentioned previously, that they be a little more, I guess, violent in their presentation, but not in a gratuitous way. It always seems in function of the story, and it doesn't uh-huh. seem like it's off-putting to children to read. I mean, like there's certain comics like you would not give a kid Dark Knight Returns; that that would probably petrify them. No. Like, kind of the, the the kind of story and that it wouldn't tells. make any sense to them either. <laughs> no, I mean. Previous guest, uh, Scott from the Suicide Squad cast on this show, like he read that when he was very young and like that gave him nightmares and he put it off for nearly 20 years of that after that point or more than 20 oh, years. Wow. That. Yeah. And he didn't return that, that story until like he was in the thirties. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Because of like the mutant leader and the Joker being so creepy and everything and like all the kids being killed with cotton candy, like that would kind of give you yeah. nightmares. But it's like if you have an itch that you really love the Batman the Animated Series and you want to continue going, other than just seeing the new adventures of it or Justice League of Batman Beyond, I think go back to the source of how this all came about is checking out these comics. I really dig these first two issues and they really set a tone that that goes forward and yeah, and I really enjoyed them, and I can't wait to continue talking about these with you if you want. Um, ongoing. Yeah, no, we can we can pick it up. But I mean, I, I would go so so far as to say that because of these comics, whenever there's a Batman um, animated show or or you know whatever, um, they usually tend to do a, a comic tie-in. Um, like I know the Batman had um, the Batman Strikes. There was the Brave and the Bold um, comic series as well. Um, I mean, even like the Justice League and, and Superman, like they had comic spin-offs from their um, respective animated series. And honestly, I'd recommend picking up all of them because I, to this day, because of these comics, when there's a new Batman comic, uh, Batman um, cartoon that starts up, um, there's there's an uh, there's usually a comic tie. Young Justice um, had had a comic tie and everything, and they're they're really solid stories. Like they're really good. Um, expansions from the cartoon. So if you do like any of the animated series um, in in whatever form, and and you do want to explore it more, and you haven't read the comic tie-ins, pick them up because they're really great. Like I've got the trades for for Brave and the Bold and and the Batman Strikes and stuff like that. They're they're really worth your time, and they do seem to have the same spirit of of Batman, the Batman Adventures, in that they're usually one and done, and 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 just really cool little little tie-ins they're worth your time definitely i mean as a person who really enjoys one and done batman stories especially like <clears throat> batman black and white to be specific where you have like yep. one and like it's a different team on each book and everything because i don't have a lot of time to sit down and read and everything so like i'm usually reading on my breaks at work and everything so i can read an issue in 15 minutes or anything so exactly yeah they're good little time fillers. You don't need to commit a, a shitload of time. You can just sit, if you've got 10, 15 minutes, half an hour, to sp- and half an hour you could probably knock out three issues, you know? Totally. Cause and then they're not very wordy, like we were saying before. Like, they are a quick read, but they're a good read. Exactly. I mean, like, I did want to do, 
I had this kind of grand plan that I was going to read like all of Nightfall, like um, <laughs> uh, yeah, then go into like um, what was it? Uh, I forget which story where it has them like like that deadly disease that hits um Gotham that leads into Cataclysm. Oh, uh, c- contagion. Contagion, yes. Yeah, that leads into Cataclysm, which leads into No Man's Land, and then read No Man's Land. But like, that's Fuck No Man's Land. Yeah, no, that's 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 a lot of reading. Yeah, but I'm just like, like, when am I gonna find time to do that? That's like thousands of pages right there. Uh huh. And uh, but I'm just like, oh, that'd be a great challenge to do that. And but like, well, when I get rid of one of these jobs, I will do that. When I have more time to do it, that's when I'll probably end up doing that. But. Do you have any other final thoughts on these two issues right here? Not really, no. <laughs> Nothing I can think of. No, right? I just it was I just it was just fun to revisit them to be honest because like I said they're they're my favorite comics period. They're the comics of my childhood and I hadn't read these um issues in five coming all well, it would be about five and a half years, but yeah, like it it's been a while, so it was nice to revisit them. Awesome. And I say, like I mentioned before, pick up the trades or if they're if they're like on DC Universe or or Comicsology or anything like I would suggest keep picking up the physical media of it because like we had mentioned before of the old stock paper and everything. So you get a real feel for how it was when these uh, single issues were coming out. Mm-hmm. In, in a monthly basis but yeah so i want to say uh thank you for taking time out of your day to uh sit down and talk to batman adventures with me uh brendan i will ask you if you want people to follow you on social media and your podcast where can they do that um you can follow me on twitter at lowey 007 so l-o-w-y-0-0-7 um because i'm a huge bond fan as well uh, uh as far as my podcast it's it's kind of on a bit of a hiatus sort of um it, it's going through maybe some changes coming up it, it's called the nightlight um night as in dark night so um k-n-i-g-h-t um you can follow it on twitter at nightlight pod um all the podcast itself is at uh the nightlight.podbean.com um but i am i am looking at getting some um some new episodes out in the the coming months so yeah, keep an eye and an ear out, and you'll you'll be able to check them out there. You know, I'm I'm usually on Holly Backcast. It's been a little while actually between guest appearances and Holly Backcast, which I've been talking to Andy about, but that's more a scheduling thing. So, yeah, if if you don't want to check out my show and you want to check out Holly Backcast, I'll I'll be on there moving forward again. So yeah, I mean, it's so funny with like. I had – there was one or two moments where it's like you have your uh, section on your show called uh, Light em Up where you go you yeah. go on a rant. I think I did that. Like after listening to an episode, I got angry about something. It's like, all right, I have to light it up here. And a friend of mine looked at me kind of confused and I'm like – and I just took like a d- deep breath and just go on a rant there. And he's like, you okay? And I'm like – yeah, I'm much better now. Yeah, that was good. And, 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 and I will, Sometimes you just need to. Exactly. And it must have been very stupid. It was probably something I saw on Twitter that kind of pissed me off. That I just like that I wanted to pull my hair out. I, that's probably what did it because that's what most things that do. But yet I'm addicted to that platform. So what, that's just a, a sad state of affairs when it comes to uh, the human condition and social media. My favorite – my favorite – podcast rants still are when andy goes off about something on holy backcast because it's so few and far between but when he does whew, <laughs> it's so fun i love it i i, I think it's when it was i think it was on the what was it the killing joke episode when somebody was talking about uh, ben affleck's batman was being too violent 
and he loses yeah. it and like about him like Batman is putting people attracted for 50 fucking years or something like that yeah. and it's like it's rare for Andy to curse and everything so like have him like finally lose it is amazing it's it doesn't happen often but like I said when it does it's a beautiful thing because he's the most positive person out of all of us so him loses cool is a sight to behold yep <laughs> And if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at TimothyRooney2, my Instagram at TRooney1012, uh, my other podcast, Please Rewind, the RF Forum Retro Show. It is a podcast where myself, Jamie Drewley, and Guy Milks talk about movies in a very similar format like this when it comes to their anniversaries, or if we just want to talk about them and we just want to gab about them. Our most recent episode, uh, The Terminator, just dropped on the day of this recording, which is this is... For me, it is Saturday the 19th, but it's actually Sunday the 20th for you, Brendan, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I've spent my Sunday morning recording with you. It's been great. Yes. And if you enjoyed this show, if you want to help support it, like, uh, leave a five-star and written review on iTunes. And subscribe to the show. It really helps uh, get the word out there. And there'll be plenty of stuff coming down the pipeline for the show. My friend Mike and I, who, uh, who we did uh, One Good Scare, our miniseries on the Halloween franchise, we're going to do this. Which very- I really liked, by the way. Thank I, you. I all those. I really like those ones. I really appreciate that. We're going to continue that by doing different series this year. We're going to do it cover Scream. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and we're kind of in the talks of how we want to cover that uh, because we'd like – I even said, like, does that mean we have to do the TV show? It's like, yeah, why not? And I'm like, oh, god damn it. Why did I agree to do this? Um, <laughs> and so uh, look out for that. And I want to say uh, thank you for listening, everybody. And, Brendan, thank you for uh, taking so much time out of your morning to talk Batman with me. Anytime, buddy. All right. Come back next time. We'll continue to talk about geek and pop culture on the show, and we'll be speaking to you soon.